Psalm chapter 40, and I'm going to read the first three verses to kind of get started. Tonight we are talking about music and um, our standard sheet, it says, refrain from attending concerts or listening to music that appeals to the flesh or promotes ungodliness in its musical arrangements or lyrics, and Psalm 40 is one of the references. Anyway, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, and many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So tonight we want to look at music to honor the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you, Father, that your word speaks to every issue in life. And Father, your word is to be that which governs our lives as your children, uh, even as a father is to govern the conduct of his children in the home. Uh, You your word is to govern our conduct as your children. So pray, Father, that you'd help us, uh, give us ears to hear, hearts to obey, give us understanding and discernment into that which is right and profitable in our walk with you. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a subject of which there is much controversy and differing opinions about music. Uh, Some people say it doesn't matter what music you listen to. Music is neutral. It's all moral, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, You know, but sort of like this, um, a musical note, I mean, if I ask my wife to go hit middle C, that's a note on the piano. Now, she could hit middle middle C, and it makes a sound, but there's no really distinction. There's nothing, nothing comes of that sound. It's just neutral by itself. It's sort of like the letter E. Unless you put other letters with it, there's no message to a letter by itself, unless it's an abbreviation, you know. But if you put other notes with middle C, and you make an arrangement out of that, it does have a message, just like you put other letters with the letter E, and you can have, I love the Lord, or you can have, I hate the Lord, depending on what you put with it. And the same is true with music. Depending on what you put with middle C, you can have something that is good and orderly. Music really is an art. You know, talk to more or... Uh, a little bit mentioned this morning about modern art is a rebellion against God's order. And the music of the world is also, music is an art, and an expression of the soul, and the music of the world is rebellion against God's order for music. God is the author of music. Now, something else we need to understand as Christians is not be naive about. Satan knows music. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that Satan, before his fall, 
it's called Lucifer, son of the morning, was the leader or director of music in heaven. If you read Ezekiel 28, it talks about, Ezekiel 28 talks about the, the judgment of the king of Tyre, but it's very evident when you get in further into the chapter, it's talking about somebody beyond the king of fire, because it talks about somebody that was in the garden of God. And there's created in this person that God is addressing the, the uh, part musical instruments like, and, and so from that text in Ezekiel 28, many believe that Satan was the, the leader of music in heaven. So he knows the power of music. Music has great power. Uh, it, it affects, you know, and, and we see this taught in the Bible, that it affects every part of man. Uh, in, 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 in 1 Samuel 16, when, when David played the harp before King Saul, it affected him physically, spiritually, and emotionally, body, soul, and spirit. Every part of man was affected by the music that David played. So music is a very important part of our worship of the Lord. And you know, we heard in the Sunday school class this morning how that music does prepare and helps prepare our hearts to receive the Lord. And it, 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 music is uh, a, a, a tool to worship the Lord. And I want to notice several things here. First of all, the purpose of music, we see that here in Psalm chapter 40 and verse 3. He said, I waited patient for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry, brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock. That rock, of course, is Christ. Established my goings, and he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So I see two things here, purposes for music. One is to praise the Lord. You know, that was the purpose that God ordained for music. And if you read through the Psalms, particularly beginning in the 90s chapters and on through to the end of Psalms, you'll find a phrase similar to this over and over again. Psalm 96 verse 1, O sing unto the Lord a new song. And that word new means something different. It's, it's a different than the old song. And, and, and it's used here in verse 3 of chapter 40. So a new song, sing unto the Lord all the earth. Psalm 96, verse 2, sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day. Psalm 98, verse 1, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And, and you can go on and on through, on through the Psalms, the hundreds, and uh, up to Psalm 150, and you'll find about, it talks about singing unto the Lord. Singing unto the Lord. You know, our audience as a church and as churches, our purpose in singing should be to glorify and praise the Lord. Our audience is the Lord. You know, the, the contemporary Christian musicians use the excuse of that they're using it as a tool of evangelism. But that is not a God-given purpose for music. Uh, I had a... Yeah. Um, somebody said this, quote, Music is God's gift to men for man to use to reflect his person, not man's gift 
to God to use in evangelism, unquote. You know, the old saying is, what you win them with, you win them to. And so if you use a worldly means or use worldly music, then they're going to be worldly. And so it ought to be first and foremost to praise the Lord. And we see here a second thing in this chapter, uh, a purpose of music. It ought to cause people to fear. And the idea, I believe, here is to reverence God. Again, verse 3 says, He hath put a new song into my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So the idea we believe here is, speaking of fear, is to reverence God. Now we're talking about something that's new. Not, so there's been a change in this person's life, and he has a new song, and this song he sings now ought to, ought to cause people to reverence or respect God for who he is. Psalm 101, verse 1 says, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. So our music should have, uh, should reflect, and and the lyrics in that music should reflect the person of God. It should cause us to reverence God as holy and righteous in judgment. And of course, we demonstrate this with obedience to His commandments of holiness. What do we call those commandments? Bible standards. That's what we call them. And really, the CCM crowd, really, what they're doing is they're saying that God isn't holy by their music. That you can mix the world with it. You can have a worldly, worldly tune and you can put some Christian lyrics with it and, and sing like you're singing to your lover and oh, I knew, and oh, I knew, you know. And, 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 uh, you know, and a lot of the lyrics are questionable. And, and really, it doesn't reflect a righteous and holy God. It doesn't show reverence for God. You know, there's been question, you know, years ago, you know, I'm dating myself by saying this, that, you know, when I was uh, Nathan's age, you know, Amy Grant and, and um, i trying to remember the other ones. I don't follow them, so I don't know their names. But, but you know, some of these popular CCM entertainers, some people questioned were they singing to God or were they singing to their boyfriend or husband? Because the song had, had such sensual overtones that, it, that it, was almost, it was irreverent to sing such things to God. It sounded more like they were singing to a lover. No, our songs should demonstrate fear or reverence for God. Uh, this was the effect of David's music on King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16. You know, Saul was kind of beside himself. He was kind of, a, kind of a, um, how do I want to say? He was emotionally disturbed and spiritually at odds with God. He was out of the will of God. And he was physically troubled. And, and the Bible says in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 16, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And the Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning, that means skillful, player on harp. 
It shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. These, these men understood that good godly music would help change. It would affect your stability, your emotional state, your spiritual state, and your physical state. And they got, so they, they, they called David, the son of Jesse, in verse 23, it says, It came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So he was well, that's physically. He was, or I'm sorry, he was refreshed. That speaks of his body, his physically. He was well, that's emotionally, his mental state. And the evil spirit departed from him. So this affected, this, this, this David's music, and there's no words that we know of. It was the music that affected him. David played God-honoring music, and we're going to look a little bit later at what that actually is, as far as just music itself. So he played this God-honoring music, God-ordered music, and it affected Saul in such a way that it brought him into agreement with God into an estate of mind of agreement with God. He was no more troubled. And the evil spirit left. You know, is this not the purpose of the Christian life, for us to be in agreement with God? You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, all things are become new. That should include our music. You know, when I got right with God, I quit listening to country-western music. Now, country-western, much of it didn't have the beat of contemporary or rock music, but the words. <laughs> you know, they say if you backmass country-western music, you get your wife back, your dog back, your truck back, you know. Um, you know, it's about, a lot of it had to do with adultery and all those kind of things and, you know, drinking and so on and so forth. But anyway... Uh, no, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, and, and it goes on in that passage. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So our lives then should demonstrate reverence for God, including our music, and to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing our trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconcil- reconciliation. First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one says, "Whether therefore ye or drink, or whatsoever you do, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God." That should be our purpose in life. Everything we do, Matthew five sixteen, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that is our purpose here on earth, and our music should reflect. That purpose should reflect that purpose. Now, the second thing I want to look at tonight is the basic elements of music. Again, it says in, in verse 3 here of our text, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now, if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 19, excuse me, Ephesians 5, verse 19. 
the Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms. So, you know, you're allowed to talk to yourself. You know, talking to yourself or singing to yourself doesn't mean you're insane or beside yourself. You know, Paul talked to himself. Um, and, and, and no, we're to speak to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know, you can be, you can be kind of down in the dumps. You know what I, when I'm kind of down in the dumps, you know what I do? If, like, say, if I'm, I'm driving or something, or if I'm working, I pull out my phone, and I have, uh, there's, there's a quartet that Andrew and Melinda got me for Christmas years ago um, from Ambassador Baptist College. They have, they have good music. And, and I like, you know, the harmony of this quartet. So I'll, I usually pull out my phone and I, you know, put that on and I listen to it. It encourages me, you know. It's like I'm speaking to myself. Anyway, that, that doesn't mean I'm beside myself, although may, I, maybe I am. But anyway, uh, so speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, and here's the key, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, there are three basic parts to music or elements, we might say. And again, this should be reflected in our music. This is the way God designed music. Uh, you know, th- Colossians 3.16 also says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So the, the three parts are melody. And melody is basically what you would call the storyline of music. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the storyline. And uh, without it, there'd be no interest to the listeners. You know, most of us sing the melody part. Might, and, you know, sometimes people call it, uh, uh, yeah, or, you know, that, that's the main part of music. It's the storyline, the main part. The second part of music is harmony. And harmony provides personality. It introduce, you're introducing parts like tenor, bass, alto, and it creates a harmony or a personality to the music. You know, I love good uh, uh, harmony. And I was, I was uh, over at the Webb's the other evening for, for supper, and we got talking about music a little bit. And, and I mentioned about when I was growing up in the Mennonite church, and I didn't understand anything about music. I could sing and carry a tune, but... You know, there was a large church, 300, 350 people, and they taught music in the Mennonite school. So these people that, that were older than my generation, they knew music, how to sing harmony. They sang everything a cappella, four-part harmony, the whole congregation. And, you know, it was beautiful. Now, the younger generation... They're into the whatever, you know, and it, it, they've ruined the music. But anyway, so this is, this is personality. And then the third part, and all these parts are necessary for right music, is rhythm. And that's the orderly movement of the music through time. That's what makes you tap your foot to keep time with the music. Uh, and, you know, normal, normal rhythm is, you know, just like it's the heartbeat is the life of the body. Rhythm is the life of music. It provides the essential energy. Without rhythm, music's dead. You don't really have any music. Uh, so, you know, and rhythm has 
you know, regular reoccurring beats, and we call that meter, usually in groups. You know, that it may be 6-8 or 4-4. Four, four. And in any good piece of music, the strongest beat in a measure is the downbeat, the first beat in the pattern. If it's a four-beat measure, for example, you're going to have one, two, three, four. The emphasis is going to be on two and four. Um, and, you know, it's the interesting thing is it matches your heartbeat. It matches, you ever think about the army cadence? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You know, um, <clears throat> you know, there's a there's a there's a rhythm there's a pattern there. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the emphasis is on one and three, not two and four. Um, one, two, three, four. And 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 so there's 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 this uh, uh, this pattern. Now, so in 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 music, the correct order is these. Are, this is how the emphasis is: good melody supported by harmony undergirded with a firm and consistent rhythm. Now, those are the elements. It's interesting, the Bible says, making melody in your heart to the Lord. He didn't say make rhythm. He said making melody in your heart to the Lord. And what the world does, or the rock culture does, is reverse the order. Rhythm is the primary thing. Uh, it elevates the rhythm over harmony and and even harmony over melody. Uh, in this book, it's called The Battle for Christian Music by Tim Fisher, on page 77... He said, rock music inverts that order. Rock music elevates rhythm as the most stressed element, then harmony, melody is last. This is not a fact that rock musicians try to hide. In his book, A Conceptual Approach to Rock Music, a handbook for students to learn how to enjoy rock music, Gene Greer says that, quote, rhythm is the most important basic element of music because of the way in which we relate to it. He talks about how to write a good rock song and instructs the reader. So you decide on a time signature, that's the rhythm, you decide on a chord progression, that's the harmony, and then you write a melody, and that's the order. Now, they don't try to hide this. Uh, and again, God created order in music. This is an inversion of that. It's a rebellion against God's order. And again, they don't try to hide that either. Uh, he goes on instead, says they are rebellious. Mick Jagger, he says this, of the Rolling Stones said about his art, that is his music, quote, it is noise we make, that's all. You could be kind and call it music, unquote. Um, and, and there are many other quotations he has in here. But he says this, though it is clear that rhythm is an aspect Aspect of music in the, in the music of rebellion is a prominent element. Rhythm is the most distinguishing feature of rock music. It also it deserves our special attention. Remember that in good music, the primary beat in a measure is the first, while the secondary beat of a group of four beats is on the third. This is not only true of balanced music, but also of our own rhythmic pulse, the ticking of a clock, or the waves of an ocean. 
God's creation shows us regular, reoccurring accents in rhythm. Great composers have discovered that this is necessary in music as well, unquote. If you, and, and this is true, do you ever think about why rock musicians often don't live long? Among other things, usually drugs and all that goes along with it, but it affects, their, their inversion of rhythm affects their heartbeats. It affects their heartbeat. It, you know, you know, the, it, you know it's, it's off your rhythmic pulse, and it can affect your pulse, the beating of your heart. Um, so, so these are basic elements, or the order for which God has designed music. And to reverse that causes the effects of rebellion. Of course, it goes against God's order for music. And we see the effects of this even in the scriptures. Go to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. And verse... uh, Exodus 32 verse 17... It says, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. You know, Moses has been up getting the Ten Commandments. He's been 40 days and 40 nights in the mountain. So now they're headed down. Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is the voice of them that cry for being overcome. So they're not, they're not winning a battle. They're not being defeated in battle is what that means there. But the noise of them that sing... Do I hear? Moses recognized what it was. It was rebellious singing. Joshua called it noise. Mick Jagger called his singing noise. You know, that wasn't original with Mick Jagger. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. They cast tables out of his hands, and he brake them beneath the mount. Took the calf they made it, they had made, and burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink it. And if we drop down to verse uh, 25, it says, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. So this is the, the effects this music had on them. It loosened their inhibitions to the point where they worshipped this golden calf and stripped off their clothes and danced naked. Now, this isn't just things that happen in the Bible. Um, in the O Timothy, um, this was uh, volume 20, issue 8, 2003, of the O Timothy David Clyde's paper, he has a, an article about music, and uh, and he says this quote: "If all musical styles are neutral, why did the old bluesmen believe that certain kinds of rhythms could cause women to be morally loose?" For example, Professor Longhair's boogie woogie piano music is said to have caused women to jump and wiggle. 
in a lascivious manner. Robert Johnson, one of the pioneering bluesmen who died young because of his womanizing, said of his blues rhythms, quote, This sound affected women in a way that I could never understand, unquote. B.B. King, one of the biggest living names in the blues, said in his autobiography, quote, The women reacted with their bodies flowing to a rhythm coming out of my guitar, unquote. So these men are saying the, rhythm, the music we played, the kind of music we played, affected women and it loosened their morals. I remember years ago, uh, there was a church in our area that had uh, girls from Roloff homes. And these are girls that have been into trouble, um, drugs, immorality, all that kind of thing, and had gone to Royal Homes to get. And I remember the the Wiley Cameron was the preacher that was traveling with them at the time, and he and he had the girls say what four things rock music teaches. They are drugs, sex, rebellion, and de- demonism. Those are the four things he says. It's a, it's rebellion against God. And, you know, Brother Cloud asked the question, if all musical styles are neutral, why do rock musicians claim that their heavily syncopated rhythm is sexy? In fact, in this book, Gene Simmons, who, by the way, is still living, he's the uh, lead uh, singer, I think, in what they call KISS, a rock group. Um... thought it was page. Oh. Page. Uh, oh, it's uh, Little Richard. Little Richard uh, made it plain. He said, my true belief, quote, my true belief is about rock and roll. And there have been lots of phrases attributed to me over the years as this. I believe this kind of music is demonic. A lot of the beats in music today are taken from voodoo, from the voodoo drums. If you study music and rhythms like I have, you'll see that this is true, unquote. Um, And again, uh, and many others have said the same thing. Uh, It was in... It was in Brother Cloud's paper, I think, that, that uh, he, he quoted Gene Simmons saying that, set, that it, is a, it is sex with a 100 megaton bomb. That's rock music. And, you know, the, the, the danger to us as Christians is the world thinks they can take the music and add some Christian lyrics to it and make it Christian. My question is, why then, if it's, if it's just the lyrics, why would the Ukrainians listen to rock music when they don't understand the words? When I was in the Ukraine, 2007, and we were in, um, I think it was Kiev, 
or Harkov, both are big cities with several million people. And we went, we went to see some sites, and you know, they had these uh, big display boards like, and they were booming rock music. And he said, he said, look, listen to that. He said, they don't understand the words. It's the music they're listening to. See, it's the music. It's not really the words that affects them. It's, it's the music. It's the music. And, of course, the latest thing to come on the scene is rap. <laughs> um, you know, people are musical beings. And this was an interesting article I found today by Alan Remington. And this was in the Los Angeles Times back in January 9, 2000. And it says, the title of it is, We Killed Music, Now We Take the Rap. That's the title of the article. Anyway, uh, he teaches music in the Department of Orange Coast College. And, he's, and he says, the article says this, Many people argue that the phrase rap music is an oxymoron. But what these people find unsatisfactory or irritating about it, uh, rap has no melody. So what's to sing? What's more, rap has no harmony. And in music, harmony is usually melody's servant. So rap leaves out completely two out of the three ingredients we enjoy so much in songs. The third ingredient in music mix is rhythm. At first, rap didn't provide its own rhythm. Instead, it used pre-recorded tracks. In lyrics, however, its lyrics, however, provided a rhythm of their own, which at times is not attractive, but because the lyrics are spoken or shouted at us rather than sung to us, we are not drawn to them. So there we are, the music that has no melody, no harmony, and no rhythms of its own. Using these as criteria, maybe many people are right. Maybe rap music is indeed an oxymoron. Yet interestingly, the people who despise it most are those who might well be responsible for its creation and in its place, its place in our culture. Here's why and how that might be so. In the late 1970s, the results of Howard Jarvis's tax revolt showed up in our public schools. Polls were taken to get citizens' comments and advice about how to use the now fewer tax dollars for our schools. After the poll results were published, music classes were cut from top to bottom, from kindergarten through high school. The absence of music devastated our children's musical education. They had no chance to learn to sing. They know nothing about melody or harmony and no longer have musical instrument instruction available except privately, which is to say when parents can afford it. Naturally poorer neighborhoods left the lack of music first. Inner city schools, predominantly black neighborhoods, schools were hit first. Therefore, whatever was going to substitute for music would start there. There's no way you can take music away from kids. When they are teenagers, they will have music. Unable to play instruments and not taught to sing, they use pre-recorded rhythms, rhythm tracks to start to mouth their angry lyrics at us. So we invested heavily in having no music in our school system, and our investment having, in having no music paid off. We got what we paid for, no music. <laughs> uh, the fruit of that movement investment is now harshly lecturing us from bandstand without melody and without harmony. If we want to reverse the trend, if we want to hear music from our future generations, then we need to put our money where our mouths are. Our, so our students, how to sing with vengeance, if they must, but sing with melody and play and sing with harmony, the kind that they can learn in schools that have solid music programs. The, way of American, the American way of investment does indeed work. Rap music proved it. So because these people had no music 
taught whatsoever. They just picked up some, uh, started, started, you know, saying things and put a rhythm to their words. And what we got is this angry noise we call rap. That if you go by, they go by your car, they almost rattle your windows. It's music out of order. That's why it does that. You see, music does have an effect on people. And our music that we use as a church, that we bring into our lives, we need to be careful about because it has a message, even if it don't have words. Is it orderly? You know, again... Contemporary Christian music is equal to modern art. It's chaotic. It's a contradiction. And so as we consider these things tonight, you know, as in the music in our church, uh, we need to think about the music needs to have good, proper order, melody, harmony, rhythm. It needs to have good lyrics. Lyrics important. The message, as we see, it ought to reverence God, cause people to fear and respect God. You know, one of the things, I remember we had a, a couple that came for a while, and one of the things the man said, and he was not saved, was our music uh, was, and I can't remember the words, but he, he, the idea was it's, it's respectful, it's, it's reverent. And our children obeyed, is the other thing that he said, that got his attention. Uh, and that's the kind of music we, we should emphasize as a church. We should be careful of the message. You know, there are some songs in our hymn book that we don't sing for a couple reasons. Uh, because of the writers of the songs and also the, the message of the song. Uh, and, for example, The Family of God by... William and Gloria, Bill and Gloria Gaither. Uh, now, these people are ecumenical. They have been known to endorse um, the uh, community churches where they accept homosexuals and so on and so forth. But the message of this song is ecumenical. We're all part of the family of God. Now, there, there, are, some, there are some truths taught in this song. But, again, understanding... Their concept of God and their concept of salvation, they're very ecumenical. Anybody who names or says they're Christian is. And, and so the emphasis on is on we're all part of this one big family of God. Uh, ecumenism. Of course, we don't sing that song. There's some others that, that we don't sing that are in this hymn book. Um, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, written by a Universalist. Um, he has some questionable things in it. And so, so you know, we need, to, we need to think about those. And, and the emphasis should be on the message, not the messenger. And, of course, um, it should be scriptural light and edifying to the church. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, and, and we'll... We'll stop here tonight. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 through 24 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, 
having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. You put off concerning the former conversation... And the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And that's what our singing, our songs, our singing should reflect. And it goes on and talks about putting away lying, speaking truth, being ang- sin not, and, and so let them steal, steal no more. Uh, so the, again, the idea of where to put off the things of the old man and put on the things of the new man. A new song. We're not to love the things of the world, neither the music of the world. We ought to love that which pleases and honors our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God has established order in art, and music is an, is an artful expression. It needs to have proper order. It is an expression of the soul. And... And it can affect the life, people's lives. You know, if you don't believe it, watch children when music is played. If you play a, a marching tune, they'll march. If you play a lullaby, they'll act different. Why do bars always play a certain kind of music if it's neutral? Your know, music isn't neutral. It affects us. It has order. And we understand and use music. Listen to music that has the proper order that will encourage us in our walk with the Lord.